Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss a dangerous salad, eye blood vessels, and cardiovascular disease, and a chronic disease health platform. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 40 for the week of July 6th. Happy July 4th weekend, everybody. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is Y93.G2. Activity, grilling, and smoking food. How? Who's get, telling you this stuff? I was trying to keep that story under wraps. <laughs> has this happened to you before? Yeah, interestingly enough, it, it has. And pretty recently, too. It was just this past weekend. Because uh, that's what you do for the 4th yes. of July. You, you head outside and you start grilling. Um, now, the worst part of the story is that I'm out of propane. And so I actually have to go get some more because I ran out. <laughs> um, but it ran out just in time because I ended up grilling and smoking my arm. <laughs> yeah, right. Course. I was just, you know, casually standing there eating one of the glorious hot dogs that I had just finished grilling, and my dog came running over and bumped into me, and so I fell over and caught myself with like my arm on the yes. grill. So I've got some really nice char marks going down my arm. Nice. I look this, like a, a well done steak. This is the the price you pay for freedom, Alex. Okay, it's a small Absolutely. price. Absolutely, and let me tell you, I am feeling freer than. Ever mostly uh, because all of my friends won't talk to me since that. Right, and so I've got all the free time. Speaking of free, let's get right into the news. First up, we have let us know if you get sick. The North Dakota Department of Health reported six cases of Cyclospora infections associated with Marketside brand bagged salad mixes. These are part of a larger outbreak occurring among 12 Midwestern states. The Marketside salads sold at Aldi, Havy, Jewel Osco, and Walmart stores in these states have been recalled. Consumers in these 12 states should dispose of recalled salads if they still have them at home. Anyone who becomes ill after consuming salad should consult with their healthcare provider. The health department is working with the CDC, FDA, and other public health agencies in an ongoing investigation. Hey, while coronavirus is having another outbreak that we're seeing, how about we throw in some cyclospora? Absolutely. Now, here sounds the, great. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, it, it's not just these groups. There's actually a separate recall, from what I can tell, going on with Giant Eagle products. Um, they yeah. recalled some of their stuff for being contaminated with cyclospora. So there's a, there's more to this recall. That, that is uh, not presented immediately. It's, it's a lot more widespread. And I know that I actually bought lettuce from both Aldi and Giant Eagle. So one way or another, I am getting that cyclospora. <laughs> yes, sir. The, the diagnosis code next week is going to be cyclospora infection. I don't know why salad always seems to have issues, and I don't really understand it. I'm well, no because farmer. because you eat it raw. Ah, that's true. That's the issue. You but know, also, you, I mean, you eat beets raw. Right, but it's the the leafy part, the part that's above ground that's in contact ah, with all of the manures and ah. people that is is behind that infection. Ah, 
So you see it with things like kale, with lettuces, with spinaches, because those are both exposed to potential contaminants and then they are eaten raw. Right. Um, and so you don't necessarily kill any of those bacteria or, or viruses or whatnot that's on that salad. So make sure you wash your salad just as a precaution. Um, but if you can find a good local source to, to get your greens from, they're often a much safer option. True, true, very true. Next up, seeing if the retina correlates to cardiovascular disease. Studies have found that the analysis of blood vessels in the retina can be a promising predictor of cardiovascular disease risk among adults. Because of this, researchers sought to predict the development of high blood pressure in children based on their retinal blood vessel measurements. The new study found that young children with narrow retinal artery diameters were more likely to develop high blood pressure, and the children with high blood pressure levels were more likely to develop retinal microvascular impairment during early childhood. Early assessments of these health factors can improve cardiovascular risk classification. Timely prevention strategies for children who are at risk of developing hypertension could counteract its growing burden among children and adults. What's crazy to me is every week we have studies talking about massive diseases, getting these crazy uh, researches and like coming to these conclusions that are potentially helpful. And at the end of the day, it just seems like it takes so long for any of this stuff to actually happen. And it really just proves like how complicated the medical uh, research field really is. Like finding a cure for any kind of disease is really, really, really hard. So it sounds kind of crazy. Cure, but also getting that that cure, that treatment approved so that you can then test it more thoroughly and yeah. start using it. That's what takes forever is yeah. getting that approval, which, you know, probably for a good reason, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, people, rightfully so, but it is just, people just it's interesting. Around. But we are, we keep seeing stories like this, though, where we have some kind of, it seems unrelated, Yeah. but we use it to diagnose something else. But... I just want to be the person who sits there and thinks, all right, draw a random card, all right, eyeball, and then a random card, high blood pressure. Okay, what can the eyeball tell us about high blood pressure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like they just throw out like a random body part. Okay, let's research this. All right, all right. cardiovascular okay. disease. What do our teeth have to do with cardiovascular right. disease? Right. Today I've got <laughs> big toe and strokes. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's see. Here's yeah, my hypothesis. Does the size <laughs> of your toe relate to the likelihood of having a stroke? Or color blindness. <laughs> you know, a lot of really big scientific advancements were discovered by accident. So I, I hate to say it, this method may be a, a pretty viable one. <laughs> yeah, just throw body parts into a hat and then theme it around one disease. And then, you know, you might come around with something. <laughs> Have you ever been to the eye doctor that has one of those OptiMap devices where they I don't, maybe. scan the inside of your eyeball so that they can take a look at all the blood vessels and whatnot. Is that the thing with that pushes air into your eye? No, that's the glaucoma out. test. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that thing messes the with The OptiMap, me. it's like a great bright green light. That's a brand name. I don't know if there are other ones that do it. Um, but it's, it's a really cool device because it takes a picture of the inside of your eyeball and then the doctor gets to look at it. And that's just super cool to me 
It seems very related to this, though, because maybe it's our eye doctors who are going to have a little extra to do, kind of like, hey, you might want to go see your your general practitioner because it looks like you have narrow blood vessels. (laughs) That's insane, man. (laughs) Medical advancements. Next up, we have disease coping with COPPA. A new care delivery platform called COPPA is helping patients with chronic conditions. COPPA for psoriasis is its first chronic disease-specific product. It provides people with a platform for open discussions with the psoriasis sufferers, patient advocates, and medical professionals within a safe and moderate community. It engages patients through resources to manage their disease journey, including education on treatment options, advice for control symptoms, and assistance with questions about how the disease affects work and relationships. COPPA also includes guidance to help sleep, diet, exercise, and mental health. The platform will continue to add features to support the psoriasis community. This is not to be confused with COPPA, the uh, regulation that has to do with protecting children's privacy. <laughs> yes, that's a completely different thing. However, yeah, no, this is um, K-O-P-A, whereas the regulation is C-O-P-P-A. However, if there are children using this app, they still would be protected under COPPA. True, true. <laughs> so if children are using COPPA, they're protected under COPPA. Exactly. <laughs> what an interesting idea to basically try to foster a community based around a disease. Yeah. It sounds That's kind of the... like dystopian where it's like, hey, you have this disease. So do I. Yeah, Let's talk about, these about social media. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it almost seems like maybe like a HIPAA violation, but I bet you and I guarantee you that there is terms and conditions as soon as the person opens up this app or creates a sign in account that says, by doing this, you're admitting and willfully admitting that you have psoriasis and that's okay with you. Because <laughs> if it's not, then you probably shouldn't be using this app because it's saying you have psoriasis. Right. It's one, of the, one of the relations. biggest things you have to get to use someone's private health information is their permission. And I feel like yep. them sharing it is pretty implicit permission. Yep. Right. If they're going on there and saying, hey, guys, here's some of my medical history. Yep. They can, you can share your own history as much as you want. You can go on Facebook and, and write out your whole medical history if you'd like to because you're the one who has to give consent for it to be shared. So I don't know if they, they actually do have to worry that much about it because it's you know, self-selective. You are entering into that agreement yourself. It's not them publishing that information. Correct, yeah. I mean, I'm, I guarantee there's some legal action that needs to require and some sort of... Uh, checkbox that needs to be clicked. Oh, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to see more of these coming in the future just to kind of help with people dealing with other diseases, right? I mean, if you have other people who have the disease and you're just got diagnosed with it, then I mean, you don't know what you're going to do, right? I mean, the doctor is going to tell mm-hmm. you what to do to an extent, but you also still need that kind of social boost where it's like, hey, if you do this, you're going to be okay. If you If you eat kale, right? It's going to help you, but the doctor's not going to tell you that. So, I mean, that's where these kind of communities come into play. So I think we're going to see more of these in the future. Yeah, and having that kind of community support and support of your peers that are going through something similar, you know, in the same way we offer, like, mental health support for people who are experiencing grief. Everyone's kind of going through something similar, and we can have a healing experience by getting together and and talking about that. Yeah. It's the logical next step, and they're applying technology to it, so that's kind of cool. 
with that, let's get to our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest healthcare and cybersecurity breaches all across the globe. First up, make sure you check this Twitter notification. Twitter admitted to a data breach involving personal information of its business clients. The company emailed the affected users to notify them. The breach impacted users of the Twitter ads and Twitter analytics platform. The incident occurred because some of the user's information was stored in the browser's cache. It included email addresses, contact numbers, and the last four digits of credit card numbers. Twitter didn't disclose any details about how or when the incident happened, and they didn't mention the number of users affected, but they did assure the safety of billing details. Right after the disclosure, they made a change in their policy about the type of data shared. Twitter advised all users to clear the browser cache before logging out, which is particularly important for users accessing Twitter ads and analytics platforms on shared computers. How is Twitter still a thing? You know what I mean? It's been around <laughs> so long and it's like such a generic kind of social media nowadays as opposed to like, I don't know, things like TikTok and stuff. But I feel like right. it's gotten to a point where if you are not popular on Twitter right now and you're just starting a Twitter, you're not going to be popular on Twitter. It's just not possible. It's just way too saturated with content and anger and yeah, rants and clapbacks. So, um, but yeah, I mean, this is overall, this isn't that bad of a of a breach i mean obviously four digits of credit card isn't good but it's not mm-hmm. the end of the world um it's more so twitter noticing this and then notifying people so i just looked up the number of monthly active twitter users yeah and this trend starts in 2010 and goes all the way up to 2019 and it's still holding strong i mean it's right where it was even all the way back to like 2014 when they started to peak, it's still holding strong there. So Twitter is definitely one of those platforms that has a very specific audience that really enjoys it and is sticking around. So I know I personally don't use Twitter and I, I just find it kind of redundant compared to a lot of the other social medias where I can already post these things and I don't have an audience on Twitter, so why am I going to use it, like you were saying? But yeah, it is it is staying pretty popular, and I could see it being a good place for ads. The breach itself seems to stem from the, your own individual browser cache. So yeah. that could open you up to a vulnerability, uh, but it looks like they probably caught it fast enough that it didn't have that effect. Uh, as long as they stop caching that kind of information on people's browsers, then will be good. Agreed. Next up, Bitcoin phishing scam gets victims to bite. Fraudulent websites successfully stole thousands of personal records from the United Kingdom, Australia, South Africa, the US, Singapore, Malaysia, Spain, and more. The attack was executed as a targeted multi-stage Bitcoin scam. Victims' phone numbers, which also often came with names and emails, were contained in personalized URLs used to redirect people to websites. These sites posed as local news outlets, which included fabricated comments from prominent local individuals. Victims received a text message, which mentioned their name, followed by a phishing message that was meant to impersonate a recognized media outlet. The Singapore-based intelligent company Group IB analyzed this attack, but now has yet to find 
any traces of exposed information. It reported its findings to proper authorities in each affected country. That's a lot of countries. That's potentially a lot of countries and a lot of people. So mm-hmm. um, this is kind of an example of a very, very complicated and complex and well thought out phishing attack. You know, most phishing attacks are kind of like, if you don't respond to this message within three seconds, you're going to die. Or it's just like, obviously, this is like not mm-hmm. real. But this one seems very, very well thought out and probably very effective to people who aren't used to phishing attacks. Right. I, I often say when I come across those scams, I'm like, how do people fall for this? Like, it's so it happens so much. Once you know one of them is a scam, you start spotting them all and you're like, all right, this is enough. But in this case, it looks like they finally got creative and tried to come up with something new. Yeah. And that's obviously pretty dangerous. I'm trying to figure out, I'm reading through the article now, um, trying to see how this was a, a Bitcoin scam. Like, that's what I'm not clear on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really, I might just be unrelated somehow i mean it just i don't know <laughs> it's like bitcoin scam but then doesn't talk about how it had anything to do with bitcoins afterwards so i'm not exactly sure so there's basically the bitcoin scam was a fraudulent investment platform like okay. invest your bitcoins with us to try and make more money but they were fake they were just mm-hmm. stealing the bitcoins so that makes sense i i'm not exactly sure yet how that's related to sending people text messages well it says that the phone numbers well i don't know actually i don't know Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it says that it sent personalized urls to people posing as a local news outlet so i could see it being one of those like hey look at how successful this platform is maybe you should join it and the text message they get was like have you seen this news this is incredible and so they're like oh wow i could invest in that that's what Great. i see is happening <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just got to think. I mean, phishing attempts are going to get more and more complicated as years go on. So you just need to be vigilant, which is something that I always talk about on this podcast. Is Absolutely. Especially with phishing attacks. I mean, more usually they're technology. obvious, but they're starting to get smarter. So you need to just understand, hey, if this is a random message out of nowhere and it's about a news outlet and it doesn't make any sense and you're wondering why and how they got your phone number, probably illegal. So don't yeah. mess with it. Definitely double check the URL before you start submitting classified financial information anywhere. Make sure you're in a, a legitimate place. Google the name of the company if you need to make sure. Uh, it's not something to mess around with. Just give away your money. So Exactly. But that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. And I'm Matt Moneypenny. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.